Uh, this weekend, as you all know, is the official kickoff to the Christmas season. You know, Thanksgiving, Black Friday, that's already happened. As I mentioned earlier, Advent uh, begins next Sunday. And again, this weekend is one of the busiest travel times of the year because people tend to go home for the holidays. And Jesus tells a parable that involves returning home. It's the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, the only place in the Gospels that you find that parable is Luke chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, just want to encourage you to turn uh, to Luke chapter 15 and keep your place there because we'll be um, going throughout that passage this morning. But the very beginning of the chapter of Luke 15 uh, says this, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. In Jesus' day, eating with someone had significant social implications. Eating with someone communicated a certain level of acceptance. And so Jesus is criticized about who he eats with. And in response to this criticism, Jesus tells three parables. A parable about a lost coin, a parable about a lost sheep, and then this parable. Our scripture reader for this morning is John Pearson. John, if you can make your way on up to the podium. As he does, I'm going to ask if you're able to please stand and face the center of the room. And we read from the center of the room as a reminder to us uh, where scripture is to be in our lives, both as individuals and as a community of faith. It is to be central uh, in our lives. And so, John, whenever you're ready, please read from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 24. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. John, thank you very much. You may be seated. Again, people like to go home for the holidays. Uh, holiday traditions are pretty common. I'm assuming most of us 
Uh, growing up, we grew up with some kind of Christmas and holiday traditions. Um, as a parent, one of the things I really love to be able to do is my wife and I, we get to set what some of these traditions are. And uh, we have different Christmas traditions in the Swoboda household. Uh, the first one is we um, put up Christmas lights. I have a couple pictures here of our Christmas lights. Um, yeah, we're one of those kind of neighbors, sorry. Uh, and then there's another picture there. And so um, uh, the one thing you don't see up there is a nativity scene. I uh, take our nativity scene and I put it in a different part of the yard because I like for the nativity scene to stand alone uh, from the rest of, and apart from the rest of the decorations. But what you see up there is 25 seven net lights, 17 strands of multicolored lights on the trees, six strands of standing snowflakes, two ornament deer, two ornament trees, two or ornament stacks of gifts, a snowman, a moose, and an owl. Now what is not shown on the picture is a projected falling, a projected uh, thing of falling snow, another projected rotating snowflakes, uh, two decorated trellises, two standing decorated tree branches, um, and we also bought a sled with presents in it this year. Um, and now, I have a map with instructions and everything, so if everybody helps out, it only takes like six hours. It's really not that bad. Um, we also have a Christmas movie tradition. Um, I DVR as many Christmas movies as possible. It's pretty much what I spent my weekend doing. And they don't get deleted until we watch them. And so I currently have the DVR set to record Elf, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Miracle on 34th Street, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, Christmas Vacation, Home Alone, The Santa Claus 1, 2, and 3, uh, Polar Express, Arthur's Christmas, It's a Wonderful Life, and Die Hard and Lethal Weapon. Um, <laughs> Those happen at Christmas. Those are Christmas movies. Um, and then, obviously, I love to listen to Christmas music. I have a Christmas playlist of, on Pandora. Sometimes I'll even sing along. Like, on the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a partridge in a pear tree. On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me two turtle doves. Very good. On the third day of Christmas, my true love gave to me three French hens. On the fourth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me four calling birds. Want to do the whole song? Yeah, my family never does either. Um, so family traditions have a way of getting in your blood. Holidays are a time when we long for home. You know, my son still came home from college, even though he knew he was going to have to help with the Christmas decorations. He still came home. Um, but why do we go home for the holidays? Again, home has a way of getting in your blood. And at some point, we all leave home. And at some point, we all miss home. Um, but there's something about home that is comforting. And yeah, you know, there are no perfect families. Every family has some goofiness that isn't great. And, and even for some of us, um, home isn't or wasn't a good place, and it may be not even a safe place. But, and that makes this a painful time of year. But home is supposed to give us a feeling of belonging. Home represents belonging. And I think most of us understand what belonging means, but there's just one part of belonging I want to highlight 
And that is um, belonging is being in the right place. If someone is a gifted teacher, we say that person belongs in the classroom because that's the right place for someone who's a gifted teacher. So a key aspect of belonging is to be in the right place, which is what makes the beginning of this parable kind of sad. If you look in your Bibles, uh, in verse 11 of Luke chapter 15, Jesus continues his parables with saying, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. This is a parable about a son who wants to leave home. He's not going off to school. He's not going off to the military, not getting a new job. This is a son who wants to break ties with his family, where he says, give me my share. We don't know what happened. We don't know why he wants to break ties, but he simply does. And so the younger son seeks his inheritance immediately, which just as it would be today, it is totally not a normal practice back then either. And so he literally has his father divide the household. And not long after he gets his share, he leaves. He has no reason to stay, so he takes off. And he, it, it, the passage says that he gathered all that he had. And the significance of that is that he left no reason to come back. There was nothing left for him at home. And so he squanders his wealth on wild living, which apparently gives us the reason for why he didn't want to stay. He um, Apparently home for him was a place that restricted him from what he wanted. He wanted to go out on his own, and he wanted to live as he saw fit. And so he leaves where he belongs to do what he wants. And look, and when you and I belong to things, whether it's a family or a job or a group of friends or to a church, a community of faith, there is something restricting about that. It will restrict us. And so because we don't like being tied down, we're going to be tempted to leave where we belong, which is exactly what the son does. And it's kind of sad. Jesus continues the parable. After he had spent everything, in verse 14, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Again, a key aspect of belonging is being in the right place. And the son left where he belonged, and he ended up in the wrong place. 
He didn't just lose his way, he lost everything. And no one was there to help him. Now, those of you who are familiar with Jewish kosher laws, you know that uh, pork, pigs, are unclean animals. They don't eat them. Um, And so he's off feeding the pigs, these unclean animals. And there's even an old rabbinic saying that says, cursed be the man who would breed swine. And the sun has fallen so low that he's not breeding swine, and he's not only working for someone who's breeding swine, he wants to eat what the pigs are eating. And no one will even give him that. They won't even give him what the pigs are eating, because even the pigs are more valuable than he was. This is a classic, at the end of your rope moment. And the passage says he came to his senses. He realized when he comes to his senses that he couldn't go home as a son, but he could go home as a servant. You see, he remembers. He remembers what it's like at home. And he remembers that a hired hand in his father's house was better off than he was at that moment. And so he wasn't going to return as a son. He forfeited his right to be a son. He cut ties with his family, remember? He was just trying to survive. So he didn't belong as a son, but he thought maybe he could get a job. And so he goes home. As it says in verse 20, So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. And let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead. And is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. And you see the father's heart. He recognized his son while his son was still a long way off, which shows that he often was probably looking off in the distance, wondering if his son was ever going to come home. I wonder how many times he was in the fields working and saw someone who looked like his son and maybe his heart kind of got excited because my son, and then, no, that's not my son. I wonder how many times that happened. Hoping, as he looked in the distance, that his son would come back. And you see that the father forgave what the son had done. There are no grudges. There are no I told you so's. There are no lectures. He's just thrilled to have his son home. You know, when my kids or wife are out late at night, 
I don't know about you, I can't sleep. I may go and lay down in bed, but I'm not sleeping until they're all home. And when they're home, I'm just glad they're home, and then I can sleep. And I would probably take that feeling, multiply it by a thousand, and that's probably what this father was feeling when his son came home. And his son comes home, and he immediately restores him. He gives him a robe and a ring and a sandal and sandals. And those are all about restoring him to his position as son. And he says, my son was dead and now he's alive. He was lost and now is found. And the father throws a party. And what's a little ironic about that is, why did the son leave home again? Well, to engage in wild living, which I would assume would include parties. And I don't know if the father's party was as crazy as the son's wild living, but it definitely was a better party because the son was where he belonged. When we baptize infants here, I often will emphasize a sense of belonging. And as one of the parents, usually the father, is walking the baby around the room, I say, I say this. Actually, I don't say something like this. This is what I say. This is why we create special ministries for your kids, nursery and Sunday school, Wednesday night recharge, junior high and senior high youth groups. We want to give our kids a solid foundation in the faith and a sense that they belong here. As they get older, we know that they will gravitate towards that which gives them a sense of belonging. And so do your kids know that they belong here? But that question applies to all of us, not just our kids. Do each of us have a sense that we belong here? Because no matter how far we walk away, God is longing for us to come back. And maybe you've never been a person of faith. Maybe church isn't something you do usually. And you may be thinking, well, this story really doesn't apply to me because I've never really been a part of a place like this. Well, there's another reason Jesus told this parable. It's in the verse that immediately precedes the beginning of this parable. The parable begins in verse 11. Verse 10 says, after Jesus told the parable of the lost sheep, he says, in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, I've heard this verse quoted to explain to us that, hey, when a person comes to faith, the angels rejoice. That's not what the verse says. If you look again at the verse, it says, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels. It's not the angels who are rejoicing when someone comes to faith. It's God. God is rejoicing when we come to faith. Now, it gets the angels involved, but God is the one who does the rejoicing. And so if you've never been a person of faith and you become a person of faith, God throws a party. Just like the Father does in the parable. Whether you are a person of faith or have never been a person of faith, God is excited that you are here. And you may not think it's that big of a deal, but God does. Whether you're coming back or you're here for the first time, it's a reason for God to celebrate. 
Now, there's a sacrament that we practice here. Sacrament of communion. And like the feast, the party, with the fattened calf that the father in the parable does, communion involves a meal where we commune, where we connect with Jesus, just like the tax collectors and sinners at the beginning of the chapter. Jesus invites us to share a meal with him. And so we're going to celebrate the sacrament of communion, where we believe that in the sacrament, Jesus feeds us, not primarily food for our physical health, but food for our souls. Because like the sun, we've done some shameful things too. And yet, he invites us to come. And so I'm going to ask the elders to come forward as we prepare for communion. You know, we've all left places where we belong. And sometimes when we cut ties, the way that we cut ties, it becomes impossible for those ties to be restored. And I don't know what places you have left, what ties you have cut. Maybe you've left family. And under the circumstances, there's really no way of going back. Or maybe you've left a job, and under the circumstances, there's really no way of going back. Or maybe you've left friends, and under the circumstances, there's really no way of going back. And maybe you've left faith. But it doesn't matter, the circumstances. Because if you've left faith, there is always going back. God is inviting us to the table. And if we've walked away from him in a big way or even a small way, he wants us to come back. We belong at the table. At the table, you are in the right place. Receive God's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.